really push through that mm. I see you working at practice and then you start to get a few less last place a few yeah. more third and then you always first right. then you undefeated then yeah. you got a scholarship then you division one and then so you start to say like okay this is a pattern a pattern of doing what is scary consistently mm. as best uh, to the best of my ability makes me lose less win more exactly. and the difference between the person in the back and the person in the front not that i'm so much more faster is that i've been training myself exactly. mentally to perform at a high level which is really what life is performing performing in your high. calling at a very high level Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of How Gladiators Are Made. My name is Brittany Noel and I am a speaker, a therapist, and an entrepreneur. And I am extremely grateful that you guys are continuing to tune in week after week as we interview some amazing gladiators. You guys, this is Kathleen of Spoken by Kathleen and she is a speaker and author and a poet. And I am here to pick her brain and her heart today. You ready for some transparent conversations? I'm ready. <laughs> so first of all, I just love having creatives on the show because I feel like y'all's brains work different than, yeah. than most people. Yeah. Um, and because I'm a therapist, I love having, you know, deep, meaningful conversations and you guys do that better. <laughs> okay, that's fair. So it's easier to have those transparent, you know, yeah. Um, and you know, go, go deeper than just normal service yeah. level conversations. You know, they say poets are like really emotional. Yes. <laughs> yes. And we always crying in the corner, but. Yes. Yes. A, a few weeks ago, we interviewed uh, Vision, who's a poet in yes, Philadelphia. Yes, I saw that. Dope. Yeah. Like the conversation is more, I, I thrive yeah. off of those types of conversations because I'm like, yes, emotions. Yeah. Like I want to talk about That's emotions. That's the kind of man that'll write you a poem and sing you a song. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and, and you, you um, verbalize things very well yeah. that most people don't really understand. Yeah. So I am excited about today's interview, mm -hmm. you guys. Um, but. As always, yes, I follow you on Instagram. Okay, by Likewise. now my audience thinks I'm a stalker. <laughs> okay, I have to. I do research on my guests. This is why. <laughs> yeah, which makes you a good host and a good businesswoman. That's see, it's to nice. be expected. Exactly. Yeah. And as do I do my research. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so I know a little bit about you, but um, the audience may not know about you. So yeah. I want to ask you a few "Would you rather" questions, okay. just to kind of, um, you know, in a fun way. Okay. In a fun way, get to know you. Okay. All right. Would you rather be the funniest person at a family reunion or the smartest person at a party? The funniest person at a family reunion. Really? Yeah. <laughs> um, I always tell people, like, the first compliment I ever received as a female of color mm -hmm. was that I was funny. Really? Yes. Like I, and then of course I was, I was a good student. I was called smart. I was called a bunch of other things that affirmed me before I was called cute or before I was told I was talented. And being funny in my family is like bragging rights. If you could tell a good story and everybody circles around you laughing, yeah. you could laugh at yourself. I can see that. Yeah, you usually have a, you know, a more balanced personality when you have a good sense of humor, I feel. And you guys, if y'all you, have been following the show by now, um, we might as well say that, that I'm related to all the guests. All the, the guests, <laughs> in so, some form of fashion. Right. Yeah. So if you guys have have seen previous episodes, we interviewed Nick first. Yep. And Nick is your brother. Yes. 
Um, and then we interviewed Alfred the trainer. Yes. Who was also your brother. Yes. So baby brother, older brother. Oh. Yeah. And, and now we have Miss Kathleen on the show. Yeah. Which I can definitely see y'all, all three y'all together. Look alike. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, but y'all would be hilarious. Like yeah. I would just sit with popcorn and just yeah, be that's entertained. that's exactly how it is. I can see that. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> um, would you rather grow all the food you eat or sew all the clothes you wear? Grow all the food I eat. Yeah. Um, story behind that is, as you guys know, the more education that we've been provided about the things that we put in our body, the more we mm -hmm. know that we are essentially like eating our diseases mm -hmm. and eating our lack of energy and eating our skin problems. So if I had the education and the time and the patience to grow a garden, I would absolutely grow my own food. Do you have a green thumb? I do not, um, but I feel like I can learn anything. Oh yeah. So I used to always say, oh, I can't cook. You know, like I met my husband, I was like, just so you know, I can't cook. Oh, you gave the disclaimer? Yeah, I was yeah. like, hey, that's a deal breaker. <laughs> put it out there. Let's and just put now, this out there now. <laughs> and now all of a sudden, you know, I'm like, YouTube lasagna. <laughs> you know, like, you, you figure it out. You figure it yeah. out. Yeah. And if it meant, like, my longevity, my wellness, health being wealth, I would absolutely figure out how to grow a green thumb if I had to, for sure. I love that. I could be naked, though, so I don't need no clothes. <laughs> <laughs> right, just outside. Yeah. Got you. So tell me a little bit about your background. So, um, which she told me before she came on camera that she was born in Austin. Yeah. I was born in Austin. Yeah. So we like low-key cousins. Low-key cousins. All my family. And when I say like, when I say my family, you know, jokingly, of course we know that I'm, I shared a womb with a few of your guests, but as I've <laughs> connected with you through social media and followed the show and watched and this pocket of like, entrepreneurs, especially mm -hmm. entrepreneurs of color in the arenas that they have been. I have some type of association with almost every single game. I'm learning that Houston is very <laughs> small. <laughs> yeah. Because even when people refer each other, I'm like, how do y'all know each like, other? That's the, third. Like, that's the homie. Okay, that's, that's the, okay, yeah. Yes. But it just makes you feel like you're in good company. So, yeah. you know, obviously if you are in that circle, that means that all of you are probably yes. entrepreneurial spirited or upwardly mm -hmm. mobile. So that's a good sign, I think. That yeah. is a good sign. But I'm sorry, back to your initial question. So a little bit about me. Yes, born in Austin, but pretty much raised in Houston. I've been here since I was five years old. So I did all of my schooling in Houston. Um, you may remember um, one significant thing about the fact that most of my siblings are business um, men and women is that our mother was a teen mom. Mm -hmm. And um, she had her oldest four children before she was 21. Oh, wow. So if you could imagine, it was very important to her not having the opportunity to further her education and um, maybe being like a victim of her socioeconomical and yeah. cultural circumstances um, that uh, we, she was able to still give us the, the seeds and pour into us the life that yeah. she wasn't able to walk out herself. Mm -hmm. So I think that is what gives us our grit and you know, grit is not something you can like teach a person. Mm -mm. Like some people yeah. just, it's like we take everything like do or die. And we've been having these types of discussions since we were children, like sharing a room in a two bedroom apartment. And then we joke 
at Christmas and Thanksgiving now, now we are in our houses and at our celebrations yeah. and taking trips together. And it's like, you remember when the two of y'all were sleeping in the twin bed? Yeah. And you said, one day I'm on my own business. And then we laughed and somebody said, y'all supposed to be asleep, you know, and turn off the lights. Right. So, yeah, so I think that's what gives me and people like me, like our character. Definitely. And integrity for sure. Yeah. Where do you fall in, in, in the, the order? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm second. So I'm the okay. oldest girl. So you know, I'm like okay. the mama. Okay. Yeah. That, or at least I, that's what I say. Yeah. If you say it, that, yeah. I believe it. Yeah. Believe check, it. check, fact, check, fact, fact. <laughs> I'm like the mama. <laughs> Got you. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's Alfred, then you. Yes. Then Nick. Then, then Nick. we. So it's boy, girl, boy. Oh, girl. okay. And then our, our sister that's one year younger than Nick, her name is Jasmine. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And so, um, you know, my mother, uh, she had five kids. I'm in the middle of five. Okay. And, um, you know, very similar backgrounds. Um, and I think when you come from a family, um, a single mother, um, and all you have is your siblings and mm -hmm. your mom. Like, mm -hmm. it creates different dynamics. Mm -hmm. um, and it makes you appreciate what you have, but mm -hmm. at the same time, you have this idea yeah. and longing for... For what you didn't have, absolutely. Um, and it's it's weird. I know you probably understand this as a therapist, mm -hmm. but it's not something that we were like taught by environment. Typically, we have to be exposed to it yeah. by education and our own experience. But now that we are grown and living much different lives and the people that raise us, we really just recognize like the lack of skill that they had to actually give us what we needed to be high functioning adults and also like the high <laughs> the high amounts of dysfunction that were going on in our our house and then realize it was dysfunction. right <laughs> until you get like a little bit of exposure to education you'd be like we did that all the time and like no that is that, that is not healthy. That not is not proper. That's not. Other normal. families don't do that? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, but that when you talk about dynamics, that is to me what has been one of the hardest things to like recognize and combat because it's basically your nature mm -hmm. and it's like fighting gravity sometimes because you wake up and do these things without thought. It's already exactly. embedded in your subconscious. So you have to make a conscious effort almost by the hour to go yeah. against some of those things that were talk to you from a young age definitely yeah um and me my sister and my cousins we have that conversation um all the time now that we are grown adults right. and we're having our own experiences and um I, I say now some of the things i go through um in life i say man you know i really judge my mom very hard very same yeah for some stuff and now that i'm living i'm like it'd be like that sometimes <laughs> And I'm like, but Brittany, you don't, you don't even have, she had five kids yeah. to do it with. I'm yeah. like, and you complaining and yeah. you don't even have the children. Right. And as an adult, I remember saying, you know, I had learned to forgive my mother when I allowed myself to be human. Mm -hmm. Then I had to go back and say, oh wait, she's human too. Mm -hmm. um, and if I can't get it right, and it's just me. Right. <laughs> Imagine how much more difficult it was for them. Absolutely. Exactly. And then coming from a generation of parents who had even less know-how yes. than they had. Exactly. So it, it very scary. And then again, like you think about the branches that that generation created, and then mm -hmm. you see yourself, you see me, you see a lot of your guests, and you're like, how? That's a miracle. How? Yeah. So tell me, what do you what do you feel like are the the experiences that you've had in your life um even if it was early on that you feel kind of shaped you 
and taught you how to get the skills that you needed to overcome some of the hardest parts of just being human? Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say um, playing sports mm -hmm. as a kid was definitely like one of my introductions to um, perseverance, mm -hmm. which is now one of the like skill sets that I pride myself on. Perseverance, consistency. Um, also, I always tell this story, people that know me are very familiar. I was introduced to um, speech, debate, like poetry and prose at a very young age. And that was also at the nudge of my mom. So again, you thinking, how did she know that that would be a skill set? But she said that I was I was very shy. Mm -hmm. I didn't play outside often. And I, I'm like the emotional child. I don't know how that came to be, but I, I'll cry like at a drop of a really? If I think I'm in trouble, I'll be in the room crying. <laughs> and one day, like she kinda, and my mom is very much different. She's very like uh, confrontational. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and she, she kinda snatched me up. I was very young, like six. And she was like, if everything and everybody can make you cry, you not gonna survive like in this world. And I was thinking like, <laughs> you know, you know, like you scared me. You make but, me cry right now. Yeah, but then as a grown woman, I'm thinking like she was really preparing me for what I didn't know. You know, you had a mm -hmm. in a stressful work environment, or you in um, you know, a competitive, um, right. you know, class or competitive races, whatever it may be, whatever walk of life that you're in. If you crumble every time you hit an obstacle, you just not you're not gonna mm -hmm. make it. So you gotta get some yeah. some backbone or like some stability yeah. that doesn't come from like your circumstance. It gotta be something that's like fortified and deep down inside of you. Mm -hmm. So those were two things that I got exposed to early and that was how. Competitive sports, being social, making friends, mm -hmm. learning how to compete, learning how to work hard mm -hmm. to see results, introduction to um, public speaking, spoken word, um, extemporaneous speaking, mm. speech and debate. So, you know, I was, by the time I got out of like all of my tournaments mm -hmm. and had my trophies by eighth grade, I was like, I'm gonna be an attorney next year, watch me. <laughs> and, but my confidence was lifted right. because I knew how to express myself. Right. And as you can see from the profession that I chose, learning how to express myself to anybody at any time was, is really become like my power as a, a woman in business for sure. Definitely power as a woman in business, but I yeah. think just power overall. Oh, absolutely. Um, as a therapist, I spend a lot of time teaching people how to communicate. Yeah. How to say what's in their hearts, how to yeah. say how they feel, yeah. instead of hoping that someone picks up on cues. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. that's not communication, right? And we talk about the, the dysfunctional, like the fundamental breakdowns in our household. The, it's not that we don't feel it, it's not that like men don't have similar emotions right. of like disappointment and pain, but it's that nobody gave them the skills to articulate it once it happens. Exactly. So, what usually happens is some type of like aggression mm -hmm. or some type of like, uh, you know, like some like when we get super quiet mm -hmm. or we develop a bad habit mm -hmm. or whatever it may be, because nobody taught us how to yeah. get it out. When did you say that you started using your poetry to communicate? I was probably around 19 or 20. Okay. Yeah. So another story that I've told a million times, but again, it has shaped how I got into this like career path. Okay. But um, Alpha Phi Alpha, mm -hmm. Miss Black and Gold. I was in that pageant in college. Okay. And I was like, man, I want the scholarship money. What would my talent be? 
and I was talking through it. Obviously, I could do a lot of stuff, but what would be conveyed on the stage to an audience? Mm -hmm. You know, I, uh, what could I do? And again, it was my mom that was like, you've always wrote great poetry. She was like, you should write something. And I was like, eh, you know. And you know, some the, 10, 15 years ago, I, you know, if you're not in New York, I didn't know poetry was a, you know, a thing mm -hmm. that, I thought that was more like, you write in your diary, you write right. in your journal. But I stepped out on a limb, I wrote a poem of trying to convey who I was to that audience. And it went by so fast that like, it felt like my eyes were closed. And when I was done, like I kind of came back and I had like a standing ovation. Oh wow. And I was like, I guess, you know, I guess I did what I came to do. What was the poem and about? The poem, it was, uh, look, oh my God, it's been so long ago. But it was about not judging a book by its cover. Okay. And of course you see a pageant girl and gotcha. somebody had done my hair and my makeup that day, mm -hmm. but I was trying to express to them like, I'm not perfect. Mm. I really didn't even know what I was gonna do tonight. And I feel like I'm a great writer and I'm good at this, I'm good at that. I'm working on this, I'm working on that. But at the end of the day, like, this is me. I'm confident, right. I'm proud of myself. And so that was, that was the message that was received by the audience. And you could tell it was just like a connection that I guess an artist performer mm -hmm. type connection that you just feel when you're on stage. And that was the first time I felt it. And I was like, oh, this is a thing. Oh, wow. And it didn't matter that it was one person there or in that time, maybe 2,500 people there. Mm -hmm. It's a thing that I feel often when right. I'm communicating in a level of transparency and a person is receiving it. So if I'm writing and I perform and I don't feel that, I know that maybe I was just crossing, checking mm. off a time, but I'm not operating in like a true purpose if I don't feel that connection. <sighs> Listen, <laughs> that's a lot. I tell people when it comes to emotions, because girl, when I tell you, I can teach vulnerability and transparency. I can yeah, teach it. You can tell someone else. I can yeah. teach it. Um, but I tell them, I'm like, it's it's essentially you willing to be naked, yeah. you know, and show your scars to the world and say, yeah. hey, look at what I survived. Yeah. You know, and where does your courage come from to do that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, um, where does your courage come from to do that? Um, gosh. I would, I guess like I'd describe that story. Mm -hmm. It was like, kind of like a gamble. Yeah. And it wasn't that I was like, oh, they're gonna, I was thinking, oh, this wasn't a good idea. I shouldn't listen to my mom. She ain't, she ain't gonna comment. She don't know what it's like. You, you start thinking yourself through all of those things. But like I told you, being in those other things early. Yeah. So for example, I ran track and field like all the way through college. So you'll be at the track meet and you glance to the right in the stands and it's probably 20,000 people in the stands. And when the gun goes off, you could be frozen by fear or you could start to program yourself. I've been practicing my whole yes. life for this race. I'm prepared. The only thing that would be missing is that I connect my mental capacity to the physical fitness that yeah. I've been training to get close to. And being exposed to that at a very young age makes you able to do it at a higher level. Yeah. So once, and for example, I've running track all those years, I've been tripped, I've fallen, I've gotten dead last, I've broken records, whatever it might be. And you know that nobody is like, oh man, are you the little girl that got seventh? last week what they start to remember is like hey i saw you really push through that mm. i see you working at practice and then you start to get a few less last place a few yeah. more third and then you always first right. then you undefeated then yeah. you got a scholarship then you division one and then so you start to say like okay this is a pattern 
a pattern of doing what is scary consistently mm-hmm. as best uh, to the best of my ability makes me lose less win more exactly. and the difference between the person in the back and the person in the front not that i'm so much more faster is that i've been training myself exactly. mentally to perform at a high level which is really what life is performing performing in your high. calling at a very high level I could not have said that any better. This is why we have. <laughs> this is why the, you on the show. The black magic, black Listen, girl magic. And, up. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. And I think, you know, I'm always pushing, I push people, um, especially like my clients, my mentors, I push them hard because I push myself hard. Yeah. Um, and I'm someone, I don't like to feel fear. I don't like to feel like frozen in anything. Yeah. I'm like, if, if it scares me, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Cause I don't like being afraid. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it means running towards the things that, that look risky and look like they may hurt us. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that stops people a lot of time is, um, they have memories of when they were hurt before. Mm-hmm. How do you re-engage in life after being disappointed, having heartbreaks, having setbacks? The matters of the heart. Matters of the heart. <laughs> when trying to re-engage for things that we really want, right? You know, but we have this fear of getting hurt again. Yeah. I'm a I'm a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. Both fortunately and unfortunately, especially like in our demographic. Um, again, a lot of people that know me personally know that I'm divorced. Mm-hmm. I was married like right out of college, super young. You know, you that's my boo. I'm in love, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so you posed a few questions to me before we began. And one of them was like, what is the hardest obstacle you've ever had to face? People would be like, was it divorce? It wasn't divorce. It was getting remarried. Mm. So I hear that. Yeah. So I hear that. And again, yeah. it's and it's because it's harder to be unsuccessful in an area and then say you're going to try again. But um, uh, I believe my, my pastor said, like, how do you know you're ready to do something again? Mm-hmm. And it's when you can do the same thing that hurts you and do it with like hope and confidence that it won't end up the same. Yes. And that any type of like heartbreak are designed if you are a believer biblically to freeze us where we are Mm -hmm. so that you don't make it to the destiny or the promise for the person, the relationship, the, the promised land that you were meant to get to. Mm -hmm. If he can cut it off early and cripple you with fear, then you, you never get there. But if something didn't work and the word says that only better is ahead, Mm -hmm. then you got to keep walking to find your better because you're going to leave your promised land like many people do being in the wilderness or going back to what broke you out of like fear yeah so and a lot of people allow that fear to rob them of their future yes and that that is that i am more fearful of being robbed of my future than i am of getting my heart broke Mm. so you just have to say again like what am i willing to risk to get what could be my ultimate reward. And I'm not a risk taker. Mm. So, but if the beauty that he has for me, that he has for you Mm -hmm. in success, love, relationship, Mm -hmm. family, legacy is on the other side of the person that broke my heart, where would I rather be? Where would you rather be? I'd rather jump to the other side and give it a shot. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, And, mm -hmm. and you know, it's, it's kind of like the, the question of, you know, what do you have to lose? Right. 
you know, because sitting when you're sitting in fear, when you're sitting in doubt, when you're sitting in negativity, you're not gaining anything right. by staying there. Right. Um, I think a lot of people have the misconception that um, it'll be easy. Yeah. No, it's hard every day. And an, a thing that I learned, and if for anybody who can relate to this, and even Brittany in her profession being able to teach others, but finding it difficult mm -hmm. to uh, relay it back to yourself, is that is really the nature of like faith and mm -hmm. trusting God. Because if you were capable of doing all things without his help, he wouldn't be God. No. So trust after heartbreak mm -hmm. or um, vulnerability after disappointment, those things are our weaknesses. Yes. And if we are, if he is made strong in all the places that we were weak, those are the areas that you lean on him the most. Exactly. And those are the areas where he don't just like hold your hand, like he'll pick you up and like, He'll pick you mm -hmm. up and catapult you to mm -hmm. a beautiful place if you let him. Yeah. But we'd be like, mm, mm, no, no. I'd rather not. I'll stay yeah. over here. But I know what's going on over here, so I, but you don't, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It could be the it promise. It could be so much better. Yeah, it could be bad, but it could be the promise. Right, right. And I have seen that the people, um, which like, I'm passionate about certain things mm -hmm. and, and I, it breaks my heart when I see people who are so gifted and so talented and they've been hurt, they've been disappointed, they've been let down. And so instead of pursuing and moving forward, they step take steps back. Yeah. And it hurts me because I'm like, you have no idea yeah. <laughs> what your gift was meant to be and what your gift was meant to do yeah. and, and who you were to, to become yeah. if you stay engaged, if you stay committed, yeah. you know, um, and I have learned that the places where you are meant to change the world the most is exactly where you're going to be hurt. Oh, yeah. Exactly. You, that's the only place you have a story to tell. But we, we, we all know, I'm sure you as being a human being and a therapist, the, the gap in that statement is that it's easier said than done. Oh. In every environment, you're told, but you're a champion and you got the spirit of a winner and you are a gladiator. But a lot of times what's missing in those household from those skills is the practical yes. steps to engage this amazingness that you claim is inside of me. Like mm -hmm. you say, well, just keep waking up. They like, I'm waking up and then what I want to go back mean? to sleep. What does that mean? What does that look like? <laughs> what does that mean? Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm with, I I'm definitely with you. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't have the skills. Yeah. Or they don't know where to get the skills. Yeah. Or they think that the skills are something like, like phenomenal that only certain people have access to. Mm -mm. And like I described when you are nervous or afraid, it's not that like, oh, I took, have a PhD in public speaking in fear control. It's that <laughs> one day I, my heart was beating out of my chest and I just grabbed the mic and started talking. Right. And the next time I did it, it was a little bit easier. Right. And then you look back and you've done it 50 times mm -hmm. and each time it gets less and less painful. Right. That's the only difference. It was right. nothing magical that made it happen. Right. It's just that I didn't stop doing it. Right. Hopefully you saw um, on my website and on my um, Instagram, I posted one of the, to me, one of the best blogs that I wrote during this quarantine mm -hmm. season was about uh, creative anxiety. Mm. And it was when you are doing something that you claim to love or mm -hmm. you claim that it's your calling or your passion, but you're doing it 
in in order of like accomplishment mm -hmm. like oh and then I will get this many mm -hmm. views and then that should enter into the, 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 the when you start calculating it that way you always feel some level of fear or disappointment mm -hmm. but when you just like open up and do it yeah with the thought process like if nobody sees it or nobody nobody care or yeah. nobody like it I was pleased with what right. I did I'm going to sleep like that was that was dope even if I never hear from another person mm -hmm. so everything that we do you got to be able to lay down like with yourself mm -hmm. and say like I made a stride today I'm happy with myself I'm at peace with that right. decision that I made even if everybody else says it was dumb that's right. what is more important mm -hmm. when you're trying to get to that place than anything else mm. yeah I like that yeah for me because I, I don't have a therapist I mean I think that's true for yeah. everyone I mean that's you know yeah um what a lot of people miss is because um we are trying to get to a certain point or we we for me it's you know there's so much wrapped up into becoming right you know there, there because in all fronts you're trying to become in multiple areas of right. your life and it's unrealistic to think that you're going to become all at the same time right you have to have patience with yourself or that you'll even become what you set out to be exactly you might get a detour, a detour. and become something beyond what your wildest dreams could have mm -hmm. been so definitely and I, I have learned in i have learned to stop trying to control the process mm -hmm. that's another black woman thing child Trying to control outcomes, oh my God, it's very stressful. I just want to do it I all just want to have a say so in how this goes. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm telling you, it has been a, a growing point. But isn't it, isn't it like a delicate balance? And I say women because I know that's, mm -hmm. I'm speaking to women because I'm a woman. I know it's for all people though. Mm -hmm. It's a delicate balance between like, I'm, I can't be faith without works. It's my responsibility to put in a certain amount of work. But then you kind of get shifty when it's like, no, nah, I can make it happen. I can make it happen to the point where like you be, and that ain't the that ain't yeah. what you're supposed to be trying to make happen. You, yeah. Then you gotta kind of let go, let God listen to an advisor, yeah. take a breath, sit down somewhere, yeah. whatever it that means. Yeah. It's only so much that you can do with your hand, mm -hmm. and then you have to let the universe do the leg work. If Absolutely. I will, yeah. Now tell me about your book. Because I did go to Amazon. I put your book on my book list. Oh, thank you. So I have an ongoing book list. Thank you. And I'm going to send it out for people to buy me books. Yeah, got it. <laughs> that's, that. that's my birthday, my yeah, birthday gift. definitely do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so my book, um, again, one of those things that I always wanted to do, and I remember putting it off like, I want to be a published author. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it before I'm 40. I was probably 25. I don't know why I put that type of timeline. 40. I was, and I was like, because I felt like I hadn't lived a lot of life so I was like I bet by the time I'm 40 I'm gonna have crazy stories right, right, I'll be right. done did this and did that and then um, I experienced a death in my family mm -hmm. and it was kind of like a wake-up call like you planning for 40 and you don't know what will happen tomorrow right. if you have a computer and some thoughts you need to get on it today so I published my first book it's called word of mouth mm -hmm. and um, I published in 2015 and word of mouth is a poetry compilation, but it also includes narrative. Mm -hmm. Cause a lot of times like I'll do a poem and people be like, oh my God, is that about you? Or they'll be like, did you? And so a lot of people want to know what was the inspiration behind a poem. And so in that book, I kind of narrate like, no, this was about the homie. And then that was, no, that happened to me. And no, that was based on a true story. And this is the backstory. And, oh, wow. and then I, I go into the poem. So. 
I, I got, um, and I, I remember I was like, I did this work and I was like, Lord, if you just allow me to sell one copy, I'm a published author mm -hmm. and I sold something. Somebody else read it, right. which was, that was my goal. And I think in the first seven days, I saw a hundred copies. Oh, wow. So I was like, oh, okay, let's aim high. <laughs> but that, that was essentially like yeah. what that was about. I had probably wrote four dozen poems and oh, wow. performed them. And then when I sat down to actually compile them, it was telling like a really dope story. And that's kind of how it came to be. For the person who is trying to re-engage with that vision, re-engage with moving forward for what they want for their lives, if they've been stuck, if they've been in fear, mm -hmm. um, that the first step is just... It's the first step is, is one step in front of the other. Mm -hmm. And then you have to create you have to convince yourself that that place exists mm. and you start by convincing yourself in your mind that you are deserving of that place and that place actually exists mm -hmm. and my place may not look like your place your mm -hmm. place doesn't look like my place but that place may just be sleeping through the night and not having anxiety or having dreams mm. or feeling protected in the, in the home that you rest in feeling secure and confident mm. in the relationship that you call yours right. you have to believe that there is a place like that yeah and if you believe in like the law of attraction yeah those comes. types of things will start to gravitate towards you but if you don't believe in it mm -hmm. you believe in the opposite that's why you find yourself like yeah. in a cycle and the law of attraction yeah. even uh, it's an abstract concept mm -hmm. and so you try it on a small level mm -hmm. so and say it with like out loud and like I'm a writer some people are, are more mm -hmm. like you know visual I have a friend that does the Mary Jane with the sticky notes so you visualize that place you say who you are what you deserve where you desire to be and you surround yourself with it you put it in your car you put it on your mirror you put it in your prayer closet you only communicate with mm -hmm. people who are speaking that same language and see how the universe starts to adjust. Definitely. But you have to be like, you know, those yeah. roots gotta be pulled up out of and the I, bad places first I've for it to grow in the garden. When you tune in like that, yeah. not only does the universe conspire for you, but you start to recognize the opportunity. Yes. yes. And and that's what I saw was one of my biggest changes was when um, I was able to start recognizing when the world was showing up for me, yeah. you know, because without that, the world will open all the doors in the world. Yeah. And you're going to be sitting over here like, oh, well, I'm just waiting. Yeah. I'm waiting on my blessing. Yeah. The door just the Lord opened. Send it. <laughs> the Lord the goes door just like, open. <laughs> you know, or people don't. Have you checked your email? <laughs> right. I think he said it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so it's 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 work. Um, yeah. But it's possible. Yeah. And I'm an advocate for therapy. Go talk to somebody and don't mm -hmm. don't talk to the homie. Sometimes you can't talk to your mama, can't talk to your auntie because they may have less skills to resolve these issues than you do. Please talk please. to somebody who is walking out the things that you desire mm -hmm. to see in your life. Talk to someone who demonstrates what you want. Right. You know, I, I I'm always looking for ways to unlearn unhealthy behaviors. Yeah. And for me, observation is one of the, the best ways that I have yes. learned. I just watch people. Like yeah, I may, I may never mistakes. have a <laughs> yes. Like I may never have a conversation with them, but I watch how they show up. I watch how they engage. Yeah. I watch how they communicate. And as a young woman, like trying to learn those skills, before I ever started actually asking for help, I would just watch people. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and start adapting the things that I that I wanted to emulate. Mm -hmm. So. 
but it, it's, all it's all unintentional. It's all it's all unintentional. Intentionable. Yeah. That's a word. <laughs> intentional. Act. It's all an intentional <laughs> process. Yeah. That you have to want. Yeah. You know, you have to want it, and you have to love yourself enough to go for it, and give yourself permission to go for it. And where would you say that that awareness comes from? Is the awareness just innate, or so where? my what helped me was one. I was a reader. Mm. I read so much that my mother hated it mm. because. When I would get tired of my family and their dysfunction, I would literally get a book and mm -hmm. just go in my room and read. Escape. And yeah. she would just be like, you need to come be with the family. I'm like, I got a book report yeah. to do. Yeah. I didn't have no book report, yeah. but I was just reading. Yeah. But reading taught me how to visualize. Yeah. Because I even now when I read, I read like I see movies. Yeah. So it's like the things I was reading and I'm, I'm visualizing yeah. a different life. Yes. And so that in itself, when I could start seeing it in a book, I could start seeing it for myself. Yeah. So the more that I visualized and I looked at what was around me, I'm like, I don't want this. Yeah. I don't know what I can have. I just know this. Yeah. Ain't it? Yeah. You know? And so I tapped, I, I held on to and, and unknown yeah but I knew what I did not want and if yeah. it looked anything like what I did not want then I just said no to absolutely that. <laughs> and when it we talk about moving. visualizing that place and that that life sometimes you got to start with what you know you don't want to take with you let that be the foundation exactly. of what you build in absolutely. your mind and in your heart for what you believe you deserve because even if you just know what you don't want right that's that's a that's a step in the right direction for sure. That way when it shows up, you can yes. just say. It ain't that. No, thank you. Yeah. I don't and it's know. okay to say, I don't know. It's okay to be like, I don't know what it looked like yet. Yeah. I don't really know what I want. And then I'm going to take my time and be patient with myself until I do. Especially when it comes to matters of the heart. Yeah. Because I have learned. <laughs> Your heart may not be able to verbalize to you the exact thing that it's desiring. Mm -hmm. But it gives you clues. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And it takes a real relationship with self to start honing in on Absolutely. what is the full picture. Yep. But be okay with not knowing exactly what you want yeah. or what it looks like or even what it feels like. Yeah. But I know what, what's not it. Right. And it's kind of like, um, for, for women for sure, it's like when you find like a bomb outfit. So you know you got somewhere to go and you go to the store and you like, they like, you looking for something? You like, I'm just mm, looking. Just, <laughs> but really just, in your head you like, ah. And then you might try, take five things to the dressing room and they might all be black dresses. And you put on one and you be like, yeah, it's this one. Right, right. And sometimes I go like, I don't know what, I just know, I just know it has when to be sparkly. Yeah, when I see it, something I'm, with a sparkle, I, I don't on, know what. I'm gonna know. <laughs> that's, that's how it is with matters of the heart. Yeah. Is you can't really articulate for somebody like, I'm just looking for her. Right. But when you come in contact with it and when you are vulnerable, intimate mm. inside of it, you like, this is it. It just feel good on me. It's trusting curve, it, right? Ooh, yeah, we can have a conversation about this forever. Yeah, Cause I can say when you get in it, part two. <laughs> when you get in it and you feel it, trusting. Yeah, trusting. Just, trusting. just trust that, that that that's okay. Yeah, that it's it, and you're allowed to be settled in. Yeah, enjoy it. Yeah. And what's the worst that can happen? What is the worst that can happen? You've already survived 100% of your worst days. 100%. So. Yellow. Ma'am, thank you for this conversation. Thank you. <laughs> so tell me, who are three gladiators you think I should interview next? Oh man. I wanna see some more ladies. I wanna see more ladies. Yeah. I wanna see so more ladies. So ladies, when she get in your DM or your email, say yes. So that we can tell more of our stories, have more of our conversations. Yes. And not to leave the fellas out. 
but so that we can have balanced conversations for her her audience and make sure we engage all the perspectives that's what i would like to see absolutely yeah i'm with you on that now where can everyone find you um so on instagram i am kathleen underscore killam um, from there, you have links to my website, which is spokenbykathleen.com, and my YouTube channel, which is where I put all the visuals for my poems, because I create visuals for most of them, is at the same name, Spoken by Kathleen, on YouTube. Awesome. Yay. Any big things coming up soon? Oh my God, you know, with this climate that we're in, I, I had, you know, literally the whole calendar was like washed away. But I believe that we are gonna be so hungry for the engagement when the time and space is right. I usually produce like my own shows. I haven't done one since before my wedding and I hope to launch my second book and create my next uh, production when the the floodgates open up and we can actually, yeah, we can actually gather and celebrate something like that. So that's what I'm working on. I'm inspired, so inspired by you. Likewise, thank you, Queen. So. You guys, this has been another amazing episode of How Gladiators Are Made. Um, Again, if you liked the episode, make sure you like it, comment, subscribe to the YouTube channel, share with your friends and family because we do have some more amazing gladiators coming your way. Thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you for having Um, me. Until next time, you guys, see you on the next episode of How Gladiators Are Made. the Eve effect of her uterus, how she birthed nations from nappy roots, the bearer of all fruit and every physical attribute and all races, every eye color, each variance in pigmentation. The first black mama made in the image of the creator with melanin popping and all white when she feeling godly glowed up from degradation and inferiority complexes. She's the most disrespected yet most desired target of mass manufactured duplication, repackaged and masked as cultural appropriation. I'm that woman, phenomenally, phenomenal female entrepreneurs, single mother, fully operable in dysfunction, caretaker, connoisseur, you couldn't walk a mile in her shoes. They bloody, literally. Still, she rides, tired, but on time. Cash cow, no GMOs, organically grown heifer, head of the household with a mogul's mind, a gold digger. From the hand-me-downs of cotton pickers, woven together through the wire of interceding prayers from atop the shoulders of those before her. I'm that woman, phenomenally, the master of her own happy ever after. The muse, the blank canvas, the gallery, your dope art dealer, her boldness, her majesty, Cleopatra, Mammy, Maya Angelou, Erica, Rhapsody, Marie Brown, Zora Neale, Nikki Giovanni, every Ebony Queen Nefertiti, the future is female, 
and I'm that woman. Phenomenally, phenomenal woman. That's me. <laughs>